1: If you're going after a political figure and your goal is to shut them down, they're not just looking at jacking the guy in his car. They're they're looking for embedded devices that the
0: guy has. Hey folks, welcome back. This is Mark Devine with the Unbeatable Mind podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're navigating the spring. Looking forward to some warmer days or drier days or shoveling out, whatever it is. And I hope you've been doing your training and practice and forging that unveiled mind. Before I introduce my guest today, who I'm super excited to talk to, Mr. James Scott, um, let me remind you that we're well into our Burpees for Vets Challenge. If you haven't heard about it, um, I challenged the tribe, that means you, to do 22 million burpees this year to raise awareness and funds and money uh, to create um, long-term care programs for veterans who are suffering from post-traumatic stress. Why $22 million? Well, because that is a audacious and ridiculous goal, and uh, I can't do it alone. I, I'm committing to 100,000 of those burpees, and I've been dutifully picking them away, uh, 300 a day. So as soon as I'm done with this podcast, guess what I'm going to be doing? 300 a day. So I've got since January 1, you know, we're nearing, um, you know, 45,000, I think. Anyways, um, it's feeling pretty good, but I can't do it alone. So we have so far roughly uh, like 200 and some odd people have joined me. We've committed to uh, somewhere between 7 and 8 million burpees in the bank not done but committed to and we've got about $150,000 already committed toward our $250,000 goal so that's amazing you know what a killer start considering it's just still into the first quarter so if you're interested in joining us by the way we just had a team from Microsoft join us and Microsoft is going to you know double down on that donation uh, as a as a corporation so if you have a company that does matching donations then Put a team together or come support my team or however you want to do it. And the information is at burpeesforvets.com. Oh, I didn't mention why 22 million, not not just a audacious goal, but because 22 vets a day are committing suicide. And that's just unsat. It's unsat. You know, the government can't do anything about it. They've just perpetuated the problem with, you know, their methods just aren't working for that, um, that sickness. So uh, we decided we got to do something about it. All right. The other thing I wanted to say is um, I worked uh, for a long time on the fifth anniversary edition of my book, The Way of the Seal. That is done and it's due to be launched on Memorial Day. You can go pre-order it if you're interested, which will get you some special kind of bonuses. I don't remember what they are off the top of my head. But if you go to wayoftheseal.com, check it out. And um, I think you're going to like it. I've got two new chapters, one on leading in VUCA environments and one on building elite teams. And then I've updated all the rest of the content and added key takeaways. So it's really improved. Um, already a great product improved. Okay, so enough on all that stuff. James Scott, uh, introduced to me by my buddy, Michael Osterlink, uh, who's been an Mind, uh Mind uh, coach slash, you know, partner of mine since 2011, he came through our SealFit Academy and then he's been working with me. But uh, James and, and Michael have known each other uh, for some years. And so here we are. Now I'm talking to James. Now, James is a um, a big brain, right? He's a senior fellow and co-founder of the In- Institute for Critical Infrastructure Technology. That's a mouthful. And I guess we'll soon learn what that's all about. He's also a senior fellow at the Center for Cyber Influence Operations Study. Now, If you have not been following the news about the Russian influencing Facebook and, you know, you know, Facebook using 50 million um, private identities to market and help get Trump elected, then you've had your head stuck in somewhere, right? And that's what James is an expert in on how to look at those memes and how they're affecting us at a nation state level and, you know, cybersecurity and all that. So, He's an advisor to congressmen and senators and federal agencies and all sorts of stuff. Super interesting guy. James, thanks so much for joining me today from Chicago, where you're snowed in and delayed and all that <laughs> kind of stuff.
1: Actually, it's not snowing here. It was snowing in
0: D.C. We got an of snow in all brokers. That's right. D.C. got shut down with one inch of snow. That's <laughs> yeah. kind of a metaphor, isn't it, for what happens in Congress? Yeah. Like It just gridlocked at the slightest, slightest sign of time.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: so, you know, before we get into all, you know, I think I was mentioning earlier that my kind of passion at Unbill Mine has a pretty broad swath, so we can go in a lot of different directions. But generally, you know, let's start with you as an individual. How did you get interested in um, what you do? First, what do you do and how did you get interested in that and and develop the expertise around it? Because it's a fairly, you know, very unique and niche field that is uh, quite cutting edge. Yeah, I
1: I got into this. uh, I'm a writer, so I write books. And what was happening is uh, I write on technology and cyber warfare and things like that. So what happened was I started getting calls from Congress to come in and be on in hearings and roundtables to help write legislation that took the content contents from the books that I have written, and um, mm-hmm. to kind of advise and help the government more evolve. And then from there, started getting pulled into the intelligence community, and then Five Eyes and GCHQ, MI6, CIA, MS, uh, NSA, DARPA, NASA, um, even down to like HHS and DOE. I just sent talking points over to DOE today on um, the Chinese uh, PLA nation state. Hmm. So pretty much like with the influence ops stuff, I'm a social engineer by trade. So Mm -hmm. the vectors are the same. So if I'm trying to get a senior executive at a critical infrastructure organization to click on a malicious payload, there's a psychology, uh, you know, manipulating the cognitive biases, whatever, just to get them to click, right? Uh, because if they mm-hmm. click I can deliver the payload and usually with with them it's usually in the form of like a recruiting letter with a malicious payload built into a PDF att- PDF file attachment you call first and uh, you're like hey look i'm a recruiter I can guarantee you you know twice what you're making now they're not like, get them excited and then you, so you manipulate that psychology and then they click and then you own their network so the, the, the malicious payload is malware. Yeah, malware. About, yeah, right? malware with like a compiled uh, payload, like a keylogger, hot mic activator, camera activator for blackmail and espionage, and then something that can get you in the network to set up persistence. You move laterally throughout the network, um, and mm-hmm. then set put your you put your payloads on different vulnerable devices, and then the the goal is to elevate credentials. Um, and move laterally, and then find out where the treasure trove of data is, and exfiltrate it, and then manipulate the systems um, while you're in there to obfuscate your digital footprint. So,
0: yeah. how how prevalent is this, by the way, James? I mean, it, we see this in the movies, and you know, I've been watching Homeland, and I think that you know, when I watch Homeland, I'm like, man, that's that sounds accurate. Yeah, I mean. I've never
1: watched that. Um, I usually don't watch. TV, like i don't i'm not really into watching cyber stuff you know what i mean um I but it is relevant I but i can get into any network any government facility anything just just give me the target and move and just let me do it you know what i mean and so I, I nowadays you, you know we had this whole cyber war thing and cyber warriors like tailor access operations and the nsa um but this is evolving quickly um Instead of cyber warriors now that are just hackers, we I'm I'm mm-hmm. pushing in the intelligence community for cyber spartans. And a cyber spartan mm-hmm. is a social engineer with technical acumen that is completely embracer inner sociopath. <laughs> and you have to understand you can't defend against someone like me. It won't happen. You can't. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. I'm trying to help the agencies understand, look it's not enough to hack anymore because this is a, so we have cyber warfare, but now the influence op, they're weaponizing the same vectors. The payload's just different with influence operations. The payload is a malicious piece of information, fully weaponized, sent over weaponizing social media vectors like Twitter from a fully weaponized account. And what I mean by that is, if, if you're trying to do like a chaos op, for example, and you're fanning the flame of, let's just say, Trump supporters and then Trump haters, your Trump supporters account, you mm-hmm. have like, yeah, to have thousands of them, but if it's a Twitter account, the image, the bio, who you're following, the retweets, your tweets, your follow-to-follower ratio has to be right. And it all has to be the same theme. Mm-hmm. It has to be completely weaponized for it to work. And so the weaponization is... The issue. What do you what do you mean by weapon? How do you weaponize? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so um, if you're looking to weaponize, for example, a school shooting, which is what you know, Muslim Brotherhood does, Russian nation state, domestic militia special interest groups, PLA, um, Iran, and North Korea are getting involved in digital chaos ops. So what you do is you you fan the flame of both sides so that you can mm. – um, weaponize the incident by a Hegelian dialectic, you know, problem outcry solution. But with a chaos op, it's just it's 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 problem outcry. There is no solution. It's just mm-hmm. chaos. And they do that to off balance democracy, take people's confidence away in the system, um, create distrust, distrust. And, and then pretty much just put make make everything chaotic. That is the op. chaos is the op. So a weaponized account. If it was a school shooting, for example, um, what the Russian nation state would do is create a bunch of uh, bot accounts on all the digital vectors like Facebook, Twitter, G+, Instagram, even down to the dating sites. You want to you want to get that the footprint, the digital footprint for the op very deep. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, you can actually see that. If you got a match or Tinder you can still see the I'm with her bot accounts. They're not actual people, but the campaign went in and set them up. And it's like, if you voted for Trump, swipe left. Like it's, it's normalizing the concept. So with a, a fully weaponized account uh, on, on Twitter, for example, for a school shooting incident, what would happen is you, if you would, you would, Go for, go after the Second Amendment, for example. So you make it about the Second Amendment. So you would have anti-gun accounts. So you would weaponize the account with the anti-gun theme. And then the opposite account would be pro-NRA, mm-hmm. pro-Second mm-hmm. Amendment, pro-conservative. So it would be that type of theme. So all the images, tweets, and everything would be of that same theme. And so that's what I mean by weaponized account.
0: Can you give us an
1: example of like where this has been recently, maybe? Um, yeah. I mean, if you look at the Florida school shooting, we put tests out there in response to, we responded, uh, since I'm talking about Twitter, we put uh, Twitter responses into some of the more emotionally charged conversations that were happening on Twitter. And we immediately noticed the bot accounts we're we're pushing our tweets that were just comments on the tweets so you can see a lot with twitter a lot of times like meme warfare when they're testing a meme you, you create the meme post it on instagram because it's a high pr site for images you make sure the ha- hashtags are weaponized properly you usually just hijack hashtags that are already being used by the digital tribe that you're trying to target Um, And then you test it on Twitter and you weaponize, again, hashtags that are already being used by the digital tribe and chieftain that you're targeting. So it becomes... The the hashtag is already normalized with that particular ideological variant. And um, when it takes off and you see it organically takes off, you take all of your bot accounts and push any organic movement that you see. So if you see... When you see the quote or the meme begin to mutate to become part of the narrative of that tribe, every time you see an incident of organic growth, you fan the flame with all your bot accounts. So if somebody tweets it from their account, not just a retweet, you take all your bot accounts, give them, I don't know, 200 retweets, 1,000 likes, a bunch of uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence injected comment So, so you can, you can use machine learning and artificial intelligence to create the illusion of comments and viral ability. So that, that's, that's what happens. So with, with the, with the school shooting, we immediately saw everybody involved, not just the Russians, Chinese, Muslim Brotherhood, as part of their cyber caliphate, but the gun, anti-gun lobby had their bot accounts going in. The, um, The Democrat, uh, the more progressive leaning, I don't know, political ideological variant, (laughs) whatever they they were getting in, and they had their bots going crazy, you know. Um, And then you had the alt right; they were doing theirs, and but they, they, I didn't really see an organized alt right bot fest going on. I really saw it on the progressive left in that case.
0: It's interesting that they're coming down hard on the, you know, the whole uh, Facebook. 50 million user account issue Yeah, even though they've been employing the same tactics for years. Oh yeah. Yeah. So here's a question. Um, Why don't Facebook and Twitter just ban or delete the bot accounts? I mean, they can't be hard to identify.
1: Yeah. um, Well, they're running into a big problem right now. So with, with dragnet surveillance capitals, you look at Comcast, um, Time Warner, Google, Facebook, Twitter, These are dragnet surveillance capitalists that became dragnet surveillance propagandists and are now a corporate nation state censorship collective. So you're talking about Facebook, Google. Yes. The organization. Yeah. So what's, what they're running into is kickback, specifically from the alt right, because they're extremely organized. So we're running into a censorship issue with these, I guess, public forums of debate, you know, and, um, they censor political material like you'll see a lot of and again I I was just working on um I'm doing a, a paper on uh antifa black lives matter and then the opposite side of the spectrum with the alt right mm-hmm. so w- what is happening is the alt right in particular they're getting like their their youtube channels shut down they're getting their twitter accounts suspended things like that and the, that, that particular ideological variant, that, that group is extremely organized and they network extremely heavily. So what mm-hmm. happened was people are starting to use alternative forums. I think one of them is DTube. I think it's DTube. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, you have Kim.com that's going to come out with hopefully a Twitter alternative. You know, the only reason I'm on Twitter is because I have over a hundred thousand followers. Um, and so that's the only reason I did use it. And it's quick to get, like, if I have a new book come out, I can put the link out there. So it's a good communication mechanism, but I don't put my personal life on it. You know what I mean? Um,
0: um, so, so let me, let me ask a question. So it sounds to me like you're saying that these organizations have a political bias. And so they, they're, they will respond and shut down one ideology's bots and machine, but they, they haven't done it in equal measure on the other side. Yeah, that's actually the truth. Um, wow.
1: Yeah, it's, so these um again, I'm non political. I'm not even bipartisan. I I don't even vote because I can. I have to show objectivity because I, I advise to progressive Democrats in the Senate and alt right uh, alt-right conservatives and all the political silos within the intelligence community. You know, so I, I have to be able to demonstrate objectivity. I don't get political at all. But right. but the thing is the the alt-right in particular is getting really shut down on um, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter in particular. Um, and they all have uh, censorship algorithms, which is how they manipulate their users. So if you go to Google, for example, and you type in, I don't know, and any, you're trying to get information, you're not getting necessarily the best answer or even the most correct answer you're getting the censored response that coincides with the metadata that they've curated on you and your psycho archetype so you're not the censorship algorithm is extremely heavy and it's getting more potent and the thing is 2020 these corporate nation state the the corporate nation state censorship collective, they will have a candidate in 2020 and Mm -hmm. i expect to see some heavy
0: censorship heavy yeah. Zuckerberg is already kind of running, isn't he? He's like doing his world, you know, tour through the fifty states. Yeah, I, that guy, that Mark, what do they call him, dude, Zuckerberg.
1: He doesn't have <laughs> a chance. No way. No way. No. Oh my gosh, you're talking about toxic individual,
0: that guy. Yeah, I hear that. Hey, um, so this is fascinating to me. Um, what about blockchain startups like Telegram or Steemit? can't they? Um, can't this decentralized approach solve that problem? Or yeah, no, yeah. Steam, it creates some other problems. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, steam it. Um, the, I think again, DTube, the decentralized, um, very open forums. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely think that that's a future. But the problem is, you know, I, God, I hate, I hate censorship. I'm very progressive leaning when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think when you when you trample on people's right to see the full picture, it, you're you're really playing dirty.
0: The Halo neurostimulation system will help you to push boundaries and to perform at your maximum capacity. Now, I'm often testing new products here at Unbeatable Mind, and Halo is the most recent that I've tested, and I felt it absolutely needed to be passed on to the tribe. It's a neurostim device that electrically stimulates the movement centers in your brain. It helps you to move better and faster through neuroplastic adaptation. It's as simple to use as downloading an app and plugging in headphones and then sticking them on your head. Use it for 20 minutes, and then you go do your movement or your workout. Now, Halo, the company, has graciously offered to give a discount to Unbeatable Mind listeners. If you go to haloneuro.com, and at checkout, use the code UNBEATABLEMIND125, which will give you $125 off a Halo Sport model. That's an unbelievable offer. So use UNBEATABLEMIND125 at haloneuro.com, haloneur com to get $125 off. Very generous offer that they put together. Hope you check it out. hoo ya. Yeah, well Trump coined or made the term, he didn't coin the term, but he made the term fake news, you know, everyday term. But, that, you know, he's onto to something not to think, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not like extolling Trump's virtues at all. But what, what percentage do you think of the news we see is fake news? I mean, it's probably a, a huge percentage.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's like this. I think
0: most of the news has
1: a particular political ideological slant to it. So if you're watching, and it's funny, I just did um, um, an interview on this uh, for the book. Um, if you watch Fox, for example, you you know you're going to get a conservative ideological variant slant to your news narrative. Um, if you watch MSNBC, you know you're going to get a progressive ideological variant slant to your news narrative. If right. you watch CNN, then you're just an idiot because it's pure propaganda. So <laughs> you're an idiot. You hate yourself. You hate yourself if you watch CNN because it's it's a narrative illusion, pure media news fiction, pure fiction. Interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a anti Trump hate cult. It yes. completely, and they will never rebound from where they are because they stop reporting the news. They just want to get their agenda out there and everybody stops listening. And,
0: and they're there, also, I've seen that in the major, you know, print publication—New York Times, Washington Post. It's just a massive anti-establishment or anti, you know, Republican propaganda. Yeah, so interesting.
1: it's it's interesting. But what happens though with this demonization of the right by the progressive mainstream media? What they're doing is making the progressive right, uh progressive, excuse me, the alt-right. It's giving them the motivation to fight back. And I'll tell you, look, I get asked all the time, how did Trump win? Well, Trump won because of MSNBC and CNN. It gave his ideological tribe, and he was psychographically targeting them with Cambridge Analytica. Um, He he knew who his tribe was. He knew what they wanted to hear. And he ran a election 2.0 campaign. Hillary Clinton ran, like, your prototypical rules for radicals a uh, traditional campaign using mainstream media. That's why she lost, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> but, um, but yeah, so the, the hate mongering, the, the hate cult that CNN is for anything having to do with any conservatives. Again, I am, I am non-political, but it's just this reality. Mm-hmm. Like I really saw this when I was writing this book. It, it gave it, the worst thing that could happen to Trump right now is for the mainstream media to quit the hate mongering because it, <laughs> it it would give his um tribe nothing to fight against right you know you they as long as he can keep them in a fight like they're defending the second amendment defending our traditional western way of life defending <laughs> freedom of speech or, you know whatever as long as he can keep his his tribe fighting He's going to stay out on, he's going to he, he'll, look. If he keeps doing what he's doing right now, his tribe is so emotionally obsessed with his messaging. At, at right now he will win by a landslide in 2020. Absolutely guaranteed. But, but see the, but you know, again, the worst thing that could happen to him is mainstream media starts actually covering the news and not just hate mongering. That's the worst thing that could happen to his future campaign.
0: It's interesting, though, that they can't see that. I mean, I see that as a lifelong martial artist. I know that, you know, force on force creates more force. You know what I mean? Uh, the more you feed something, the more energy it has. So Aikido says, you know, hey, do this. Do the sidestep around it. Let the energy blow right by you. But the mainstream, you know, they can't see that because they're stuck in their own bias. Right. And so they just keep doing the same thing, expecting different results.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. So. I I don't know. I just um, I I just watch the news now as entertainment, you know. Yes. And um, because it's not news anymore. It's just twenty four seven hate cult against Trump, against Second Amendment, against you know. It's just yeah. gotten to be so ridiculous. So I think the, the the thing about fake news, if 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 you really want to watch, if, if, okay, if you want to watch fake news, obviously that's CNN, one hundred percent. But if you want to, if you're curious as to what actual propaganda rooted in fact is, but with a particular ideological slant in order to hyper elevate a particular ingredient in the news, check out, um, RT, the Russian, whatever, Russian Times. I don't know what it, the
0: RT, whatever. It is. That's the Russian What's that? Is that the official Russian television station? Yeah, it's
1: it's their propaganda channel. It's like our Voice of America. Right. So, Voice of yeah, so it's but even though Voice of America, they don't have the right funding to even compete with the digital space anymore. So we're losing the info war abroad. But um, mm-hmm. but uh, watch that because RT has to be fact. It has to be fact based, or they lose credibility and people stop watching it, and then everybody can say, "Oh, see, you know, it's just propaganda." What they'll do is take an ingredient of a factual incident that is detrimental to democracy or takes um, Americans' uh, confidence away in the democratic process or in American law enforcement or the government. And they'll fan Mm -hmm. that that one negative fact so hard that they make that the narrative for the and um, they maybe go viral on Twitter. They're extremely organized. So Russia's in a position because you know they have a, a GDP less than India, less than Korea. You know, what I mean, so right. people this illusion that there are hyper evolved adversary is an illusion. Well, except for the
0: except for the nuclear weapons. Yeah, and, and admit, but they are economically weak and geopolitically they're weak. Yeah, they're like, um, but they're effective at projecting strength. Yes. Yeah. Hybrid strong, hybrid strong Russia, strong Putin. The thing that,
1: so this info war and memetic warfare, it's the Russian Moskarovka, the digitized right. Moskarovka. And, um, they're masters at it because they have to. This is hacking and information warfare in the digital space. They're thriving. Like the Russian APTs are extremely, um, techno accelerated. You know, they have, um, mm-hmm. hammer toss the weaponized stenography. um So they're really evolving in this space, even though they're completely isolated by the West and like NATO alliance and, and Five Eyes. Um, but it's funny. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine at uh, in MI6, and um, he was talking to one of their assets um, at uh, FSB. And they can't believe all the street cred that they're getting for stuff that they're not even doing, as far as this Russian collusion narrative illusion, <laughs> like they're like, wow, you know, how do we, how do we even actually do this? Like, how do we do it? <laughs> like, it's, it's funny to, it was funny to hear that. Like, they're just like, holy cow, what a demonstration of skill. We didn't have to do anything. We just watched the mainstream media hyper uh fan the flame of this illusion, and we look great. So as far as a demonstration of skill, they're looking like killers, you know.
0: That's so that that's an example of you know the weaponized information used by one political party against the other. You're essentially blaming it on Russia, and Russia, you know, sitting back and taking all the credit, going, "This is pretty cool." Yeah the the, I, you know.
1: the idea that Russians had
0: any hard
1: impact on the elections is completely ludicrous. Everybody was in right. everybody you had. The special interest groups here, you had um, PLA, you had um, China as part of the 13th Five-Year Plan. Um, they used the Chinese Students Scholar Associations at the universities to troll and to protest. They um, used the, the tongs to get into local industry. And they used the triad as enforcers, like physical mm-hmm. intimidators. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's all funded by the Chinese Communist Party, the consulate system here. You know, it's, it's funny. Because I, I do a lot um, for for CIA. I'll go to the uh, universities and see what uh, interest there is to come into the intelligence community. And at CMU, um, the, the, the Chinese Student and Scholar Association is really strong. And the crazy thing is, over there, they have Rand Corporation. They have CERT, like right down the street. And uh, I, I said to the one professor, I'm like, wow, you guys have a heavy Chinese rep- representation here is oh yeah and you know Chinese students go I'm like do you understand they they are a weapon they're an espionage IP theft weapon for the Chinese Communist Party don't you get that right and you're working on
0: let it's crazy
1: it's crazy they're, but but the thing is they they use them as assets the 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 PLA and uh Chinese Communist Party that's how they weaponize our university systems against us. That's how they weapon and with the tongs. That's how they weaponize economics against us. The, the triad. Right. The triad will. They bring in weapons. They're. In. What's
0: the what's the triad? Uh, the triad, triad is
1: the Chinese mafia. But I it's see. fully yeah. sponsored by their government. And. Uh, right. They bring in weapons. They bring self-radicalizing wound collectors over our borders. Um, they fan the flame of protests here, like on behalf of
0: Black Lives Matter and Antifa. I mean, directly. I was going to ask you about that. So most of those protests are, are just paid, you know, agitation events. Yeah, yeah most, of, most of what we're seeing
1: now, um, Charlottesville included, if you hold up, I mean, being a seal, you're obviously familiar with the color revolution template, which is the most potent ingredient in the coup d'etat. So. If anybody thinks that we're not experiencing a color revolution attempt right now, do this. Look at the color purple, who's wearing it, what's the event, and what's being announced. And that's all I'll say on that. Okay, Mm -hmm. this that's very real here. So most Mm -hmm. of these protests are chaos ops. They're not they're not using the the full Hegelian dialectic color revolution template, but you can see Mm the the three main ingredients, you have the core, the cohort, and the citizen. So the core is the funding arm. The the cohort is the, they're the worker bees. They're the hired real believers. And then the citizen, these are the people that are like, hey, I want to believe. There, there's two types of citizens. There's, hey, I want to believe. Yeah, I'll come to this protest. Maybe I'll act out. But most of the violence is by the cohorts. Those are the guys that are most likely to get arrested, whatever. But the other part of the citizen group is the paid actor, literally paid actor. Uh, go to any mm-hmm. search engine and type in um, crowds for hire, crowds for rent, and you will see hmm. the, the least talk about, most booming industry there is. No shit. It up, man. I, can, I can create a protest out of thin air for $10,000 cost. I can spark a riot for 20, and I can do it in 72 hours.
0: And there's organizations that do that. Is ACORN one of them? Or yeah, I've Acorn, heard about that. That's one. ACORN is
1: the, um, they bring the, the leaning weight to the Muslim brotherhood and, and the, the caliphate. So you have mm-hmm. um, like uh, Linda Sor- Sorso. What's her name? I think it's Linda Sorso. She's the um, extremist that called for a um, jihad in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's Linda Sorso. Mm-hmm. Um, but, She is a – her job for Muslim Brotherhood is to create a space for self-radicalizing wound collectors to meet or to come into contact with Muslim Brotherhood operatives who will then take them to, like, dark web or uh, whatever. They will cultivate a relationship with them in order to expedite their self-radicalization, in order to get them to act out. Meaning, take a car, drive it onto a playground, kill a bunch of six-year-olds. Then, when there's public outcry, they, then, then Muslim Brotherhood cyber caliphate kicks in in a digital setting and using all their bot accounts will say, see, everybody's xenophobic. You got to get up and fight against it. So they activate Black Lives Matter, Antifa for the intimidation, uh, stuff. Um, you know, they're very organized, very organized. Hmm. Oh no that's care not on, I'm sorry it's care okay. Yeah sorry about that I I got the
0: acronyms so Who is who's in control I mean it sounds like in the west the democracy is so easy to penetrate and this has been going on for years that like you have to wonder do we you know do we have political candidates who are you know, enemies of the state and, you know, could, is it possible that we, you know, someday have a Manchurian candidate president? Some would say Trump is, some said Obama was, so maybe it's already happened. Yeah. Well,
1: Obama was the first to use psychographic targeting. So he did a Cambridge Analytica type, uh, um, thing, but he actually worked directly with Facebook and, and then Trump just basically followed that same process, but he just paid for it, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I, I, there's a lot of talk about the, uh, what, New World Order, I guess. The right. George Bush senior version of this elitist collective um, Agenda 21-ish, you know, NATO, UN-ish type thing. That is dead. Those guys are all right. dying. Um, rock I think that was a stable, uh, centralized. Yeah, centralized power for overall control for global control really is what it was. So the North American union, which we would have the socialist ideology from Canada in combination with the capitalist ideology of the United States and the, um, work force from Mexico. So this, Mm -hmm. this would, this was going to be the answer if the UN, excuse me, if the European union worked out, which it's not, it's falling apart. So I don't really see us going there, but now, instead of the individual elitists, what's happened is the um, corporate nation state collective is they've kind of stepped in in a pretty dangerous way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked with, um, well, we're working with um, the White House to uh, put out the, the Cloud Act, for example, to, to gain support in, the, in Congress for the Cloud Act. This is something that's going to make it easier to investigate um crimes in networks. So if a if, if a server is domiciled in Ireland and US law enforcement needs to gain access to it, they can't do it because of the laws over there. So this whole process expedites that. Um, I think that this is going it, it expedites the investigation. So we're gonna start with US UK um sharing to to expedite the process. Then we'll move to our five eyes partners and then our closest Western European allies. And um this this is going to I think that in a way this is gonna kind of take away that cabal um secretive c- capability that that uh these corporate nation states have. Do you know what I mean? And I, I really hope so anyway. But, um, but you know, I don't know, but, but I'm, I'm more fearful of Google and their dragnet surveillance process and, and Facebook's psychological manipulation process than I am any government. They're, they're dangerous. These guys are dangerous.
0: Now I know you appreciate some soreness brought on by getting busy with a bruising workout, but doesn't it suck when excessive soreness throws us off our game? causing us to back down on our effort, or even erasing those hard-won gains. That is why building recovery into our training plan is so important. Now, one way that I do that is with a simple-to-use recovery and healing tool called PowerDot. PowerDot is an electrical muscle stimulation device that forces type 2 muscle contractions, allowing you to increase muscle performance, speed up recovery, and also find a deeper mind-body connection. I've used complicated stim devices in the past to heal from my back injuries, but those were clumsy devices and not very effective to use for everyday use. The PowerDot, however, is a game-changer because of its simplicity and the control through a well-designed mobile app. It's portable and powerful, making it usable for daily recovery or as needed for excessive soreness and to ward off potential overtraining injuries. PowerDot puts professional-level physical therapy into your gritty hands, saving valuable time and money. Now, the PowerDot team loves us at SealFit and Unbeatable Mind, and they have a generous offer for us. You can get 25% off the device when you go to PowerDot.com, that's P-O-W-E-R-D-O-T.com. And use the code UNBEATABLEMIND, all one word, UNBEATABLEMIND, at the checkout. So again, receive 25% off of one of my favorite tools for achieving increased muscle performance and recovery by going to power.com and using that code UNBEATABLEMIND. mind. Yeah. So we, I mentioned we talked about blockchain earlier. You know, the general public doesn't have much understanding of it, but I, I've been – like studying it like a madman ever since I bought a hundred Bitcoin and then sold them. Cause I took my half the ball. Now I'm like, Holy shit, that would have been a million, million and a half to million bucks right sure. now. And so I started studying the blockchain again last year and this is coming mm. fast. Right. And interesting enough, back to your point, like a lot of the activities coming out of Eastern Europe and Russia, I mean, these guys are just geniuses in this. A ton happening here in the United States, of course, too, but this is decentralized everything, right? Decentralized banking, decentralized real estate, decentralized government, even. There's a, there's a, a blockchain project called BitNation where you can become a digital citizen or, you know, global digital, or you can create your own yeah. nation. Like I, I've never heard of a virtual jihad, but that, I'm surprised, I'd be surprised if they don't use BitNation as part of their platform. But anyways, what you know, you—I'm sure you study this as well. But where do you see, the, you know, ten years out? Where do you see governance and um, corporate behemoths like Facebook and Google because there's a major threat coming their way with the blockchain?
1: Um, well, you know, I mean, blockchain. I mean, I, I do a lot in Congress for election reform. Uh, Mike and I were working on the Graham-Crawford Amendment for election reform and the Paper Act out of Congressman Meadows' office. Blockchain, I think, is going to change everything. It decentralizes things. If you look at, if you look at Bitcoin, um, no, you know, the only thing behind, you know, the U.S. dollar used to be backed pre Bretton Woods Convention. Um, used to be backed by gold. Now it's just backed with the dwindling confidence in the American, <laughs> you know. Right. And so people are like, I'm not buying this crap. It's a fiat currency. It's garbage. Forget about it. And so right. the the Bitcoin thing is giving a lot of people hope in in something more real and viable. But the problem is, anything good can also be weaponized. And so right. you have these these billionaire banker people that are already in there um, pumping and dumping that currency. And that's why you see mm-hmm. it up and down, up and down. Uh, as mm-hmm. far as election reform, you know, we're seeing Kim um, kim.com is pushing the internet, uh, the internet party. You know, mm-hmm. I think that we'll see a real candidate come out of that in a few years. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, you know, and you know, so I think um, I think the blockchain concept, even down to election reform and securing the votes, you can apply. Yeah, there is. I think there was an African country that. Just did in their election. Yeah, but it's Africa, so who cares? I mean, that's the mentality. (laughs) You know what I mean? On the hill, that's exactly. You might as well mention
0: Estonia. (laughs) You
1: know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No, I know. But my point is that, um, you know, sometimes technology, because of the regulations and the barriers put up in in the West, the technology takes root, you know, and then you could see power shift very quickly. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, you know, we're wondering what the hell happened because we're, we're sitting on, you know, industrial age institutions with information age, you know, flows, but we've missed the point on decentralization. And now we're, you know, the power shifts, yeah. to Africa, you know, or to Eastern Europe.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: That's interesting. You Let's shift focus. I know we've been going for a while here, but this has been so fascinating. I want to talk about cyborgs. You know, my, when I went through SEAL training and got into the SEAL Team 3, my nickname was cyborg. You know, people thought I had. Nanobots running around my system, and you know, that my legs and arms are like for Steve Austin because of the way I, you know, I guess the way I moved and my endurance and whatnot. But I've always been fascinated with augmentation, and you know, kind of like I've had this vision that there's going to be a split in the human race you know, those who connect to the internet and augment themselves, and and those who say, screw that, you know, that's the mark of the devil. Yeah. But you wrote a book on this, you know, Hacking Cyborgs. Um, What do you think? is going to happen, you know, by 2025. Yeah. What's your view of the...
1: Cyborgification. Um, cyborgification is really technologically extending oneself to 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 make up for the vulnerabilities of natural man. That's what it is. Right. And so, the only person... It's funny, because, you know, you're all over the... Not you, I mean, but like, people are all over this, the place with this. They think it's like, oh... A mark on your forehead or right hand, it's gonna be the mark of the beast, it's the end times, it's the apocalypse, whatever. But, but it's like, I, I, had this guy who was a preacher, um, really attack me for the, uh, uh, for the cyborg book. Um, mm-hmm. and comes, I, I did some research on the guy. I mean, normally I don't care. I mean, troll, a troll's a troll and they're gonna troll. You know what I mean? But, um, I did some research on the guy. And this guy had an insulin pump and a heart uh, a pacemaker. that that's cyborgification. So he's right, technologically right. extending himself in order to make up for deficiencies in his natural uh, body. So
0: and you can, you can make the argument. I think Ray Kurzweil said this, that the iPhone is a cyborgification. Oh, yeah. It's an right of you to the internet you just hold it in your hand. It isn't planted inside of you. Yeah,
1: you're technologically extending yourself in order to be more efficient. You know, and so, you know, I, I see this really hyper accelerating over the next few years, just like we are with the um, self-driving cars and mm-hmm. autonomous technologies. I think the scary thing is when we enter the existence of the, the merging of virtual reality and cyber I think the scary thing is, is going to be when when artificial intelligence is then injected into that process. Um, mm-hmm. I think we're moving too fast in that space uh, mm-hmm. because you know with weaponization of space, we we have a um, Center for Space Warfare Studies that we're starting with a few uh, people from NASA, and mm-hmm. people don't understand there is a war going on in space right now for satellite uh, uh, signal intelligence and. Um, stuff like that, not like a, not like aliens or whatever, but like for like satellite positioning and the weaponization of the space element. Um, mm. the, I think the scary thing is going to be when artificial intelligence and machine learning are injected into autonomous technologies because you're setting these technological entities up to, you know, you add machine learning, deep learning, artificial intelligence, put some metadata in there, you, you have, a, a, you've got cyber demigods, technical mm-hmm. demigods. I think that's going to be, that's going to be a scary space. But, you know, um, I think that if, if the next thing that we're going to see with the cyborgification is the accelerated process of thinking. And um, I think that's going to be really interesting to see artificial intelligence injected into consciousness. So oh. I think that's really, that's really exciting to me. But, you know, how do you protect the sanctity of the mind? How do you protect the original thought at that right. point? You know what I mean? Without having the analytical aspect of artificial intelligence uh um, mimetically shaping that thought, you know what I mean? So I, I think cyberification is happening. It's happening in a big way. We just have to go about it. Another thing, you know, we have to take security by design into mm. um, in into consideration with this stuff because you're right. injecting like uh, you know, I have friends that can hack your insulin pump, your pacemaker. They can kill you with your mm. insulin. you know, put you in a in shock. You know and this is a scary thing. And um you look at the technology with embedded devices, this cyborgification, and they're not using like missed SP 800 160 standards for security by design. And so that's gonna be the next space for hackers. Right. You know, and uh people can do it, you know, if if you're going after a a, a political figure and your goal is to shut them down. People now, they're not just looking at reputational harm or like jacking the guy in his car. They're, they're looking for embedded devices that the guy has. Hmm. You know, what kind of medications does he have? Okay. Hack the pharmacy, you know, like all, all that kind of stuff. So you're seeing a lot of real indirect attacks that are extremely potent, especially with embedded devices.
0: Wow. That's fascinating. Yeah, I think, you know, nanotechnology and AI, you know, have just enormous implications for the dark side, you know, um, obviously, enormous potential good as well, right? And the, the conversation has to be had soon. And I know it's happening in stovepipe, but not, not at a societal level at all. But think about, you know, I've read a, a little bit about breakout, you know, so the the race right now is on at a geopolitical level, you know, for nation states, the first one that achieves AI breakout, which is where, you know, the acceleration to where AI exceeds, you know, human capacity, then, you know, reaches that singularity moment. You know, whoever gets there first rules the world, basically, or the universe, you know, is one theme. That's heady stuff, you know, and everything changes. Yeah, I think if if, if it's possible, if it's possible for AI to have that type of, you know, that level of intelligence or capacity. Yeah, AI is the
1: technological equivalent to the God particle.
0: Right. It's it's everything.
1: It's the most organic everything from a technological or thought process space. And, you know, you look at drone technology, (laughs) take machine learning, artificial intelligence. Deep learning injected into, um, drone autonomous technology. Yeah. You have bring stuff. Yeah. Like, It can outthink, outmaneuver. Look, I'll tell you what, man. There's stuff like there's technology out there with these drones using this, this type of, uh, thinking model. It mm-hmm. can hover all day, uh, for surveillance over like Middle East, wherever. It's solar, okay. Now, when it starts to run out of uh, charge, it will it will find a place where it can land, charge, and take cover, and then huh. it's up again. That's nice. insane. That's insane, and that's nothing. That's just the tip of the iceberg with this stuff.
0: You know, right? Crazy. That is crazy. Well, we could talk all day about this stuff, but I think we better shut it down here before we before we start putting people to sleep, oh, you know, yeah. if anyone else is as fascinated about this stuff as I am, then, you know, this is, they're going to want to learn more. So, well, you know, you've written a bunch of books. What would be the one of your books that you would like people that you think people need to read one or two? And then where do they find them?
1: Yeah, I think um, information warfare, the meme is the embryo of the narrative is something that I, I think it's the ultimate red pill. That's how I tried to write it mm-hmm. uh, dedicated to my son's, um, to weaponize their minds
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: um, it, the the awesome thing about that book is people are really putting it to work they're making memes uh from quotes and uh, from the book and they' you know the it's a very it's been very grassroots promoted which i didn't even intend on
0: yeah
1: i think that's that's a good start um for pretty much anybody even if you're if you're into the digitization of information warfare, influence operations, and psychological warfare. You know,
0: what yeah, what I love about this book is people can learn about the um, the biases that allow these memes to kind of like, I guess you what you would say is weaponize them or to penetrate, right? So you want to be aware of your biases. It's one thing we talk about a lot in Unveiled Mind. So you can prevent them from affecting you or infecting you, <laughs> so to speak.
1: Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting because... With that book, you know, when I'm dealing with NATO, NATO is in a tough position because they're supposed to be effective in the offensive, but purely from a defensive position when it comes to information warfare. Right. And you can't, you, you can't inoculate propaganda. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had a thing in Florida. They asked me to come and speak to their senior psychological operations guys. And, um, I kept telling them, I'm like, what you're proposing in the defensive position, is impossible Hmm. it's impossible and um so i think the only thing that you can inoculate is within the mind being able to identify a narrative illusion Mm -hmm. and fake news or 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 factual news with an ideological very uh twist to it Mm -hmm. uh i think it's it's going to happen in the mind You, you have to know how to identify it and shut it down in your mind because you know you got people that are going to special interest groups, nation states, um, Hail Mary states. What, they're going to always use, weaponize social media vectors now to get their propaganda out there. Mm-hmm. So you can't, unless there's extreme censorship, which is actually what's happening. It, it's, it, I don't care how, how much surveillance or censorship you have. You're not going to be able to stop this from happening. The only way you can shut it down for yourself is in your mind. Right. To be able to identify it. And shut it down, and then you teach your kids, "Hey, look, this is this is propaganda." Right? You, do you see that? Yeah, that was that was true, but it's got a conservative slant to it. Right. That's true. it's got a progressive slant to it to protect the sanctity of your mind.
0: Or you can you know? delete your Facebook app, your Twitter app.
1: Oh yeah, I'm not even on Facebook, and, and again, like I said, the only reason I'm even on Twitter is because I have like a hundred thousand followers. Right. That's the only reason I even have a social media presence. I'm not on LinkedIn, you know.
0: Nothing. I don't have a Facebook page, yeah. you know. So. I, I have all that stuff, but it, it really is for marketing. I mean, that's I don't use it personally. Someone sends stuff out for me.
1: We have a company page on Facebook, right, where we do uh, the books and stuff. And so, yeah, I totally get it as a promotional model,
0: right? But I think um, time fast. I'm trying to get my team to realize that. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Facebook could go away overnight, you know. I mean, there's a the the founder of WhatsApp today came out with a delete uh, Facebook meme, you know, hashtag delete Facebook because of what happened with the 50 million. Uh, uh, what was the name of the company again? A Cambridge, right? Cambridge thing.
1: Cambridge Analytica. Yeah, yeah. but see,
0: here's the thing about Cambridge Analytica: their claim to fame was the Trump
1: campaign, right? Okay. But Cambridge Analytica is just another big data analytic algorithm writing company that focuses on psychographic targeting. Right. Now they're the least evolved in this space. They just get tons of press because the guys that do this don't want the attention mm-hmm. because they're all in bed with the social media driving us around capitalists, mm-hmm. you know, and Facebook knew what they were doing with the data.
0: They knew yeah. interesting stuff. Well, it pays to be aware uh, that a lot of the information that you're getting out there, folks, is manipulated to say the least or at least influenced. And so all of us are part of this memetic influence operations, uh, both internally and, and you know from actors outside. Go check out uh, James's book, Information Warfare. James, it's on Amazon, right? I'm sure. And... Okay. Yeah, it is. Awesome. Yeah. So that's a good place to start. Um, if you're interested in cyber, cyborgs and the clash of AI and, you know, augmented humans, then your book, what, what's the name of the cyborg, the full name of your book on cyborgs? Hacking
1: cyborgs is so funny. I, I forgot. Um, hacking cyborgs by 2025, non, non-augmented humans will be... Yes,
0: that's right. Yeah, I'm, I have someone helping me. I just, me. I just pulled up, up <laughs> Alice's So, Hacking cyborgs by 2025, non-augmented humans will be obsolete. Damn. You yes. know, that's like seven years from now. Oh, yeah. No,
1: we're already there, man. If you don't have an iPhone or a phone right. with apps, <laughs> you're <It's>
0: already there. <laughs> uh, wow. It's going to be an interesting to watch. Uh, may we live in interesting times. James, that? thanks so much for your time. Uh, really appreciate it, everyone. Um, this is important stuff. Thanks for listening. Um, check your biases and uh practice on Mind every day so that you can make sure that your information is flowing into and out of your brain is you <laughs> and not somebody mm-hmm. else. All right. James, uh, thanks again. Uh huya, take care, good luck uh, with everything, and I look forward to meeting you in person. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks. All right, folks, that's it for today. Thanks again. Um stay focused. And uh, train hard, be safe, and uh, beware of fake news. Hoo-yah. Divine out. Lock boys. Time to explode,
1: boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back. The pride of the fleets. The bright-swinging frogmen of the UDT.